0: Yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel on this June the 4th in the year of our Lord 2018. I'm Pastor Tom Baker and on Law and Gospel on Mondays we like to take a look at the various readings for the following Sunday which just happens to be the third Sunday after Pentecost. Readings from Psalm 130, Genesis 3, 2 Corinthians 4, and Mark 3. We find something very interesting. I'm just going to read it, and then we'll talk about it. Jesus is talking to people, and the crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Wow, how are you going to understand that particular Bible verse? I'll tell you that uh, Lutherans have often used it uh, to show that Mary was not, sinless. Because if she was sinless, he would not have excluded her from those who were sitting around him. It kind of reminds you of the Mary and Martha incident. Remember where Martha is busy cooking and gets mad at Jesus for not caring that Mary isn't helping her. It's a good example where who is really the true believer, namely the one sitting and listening to Jesus. Is that how we can understand this particular Bible verse? We only can understand a Bible verse if we use the interpretation of scripture interprets scripture. Is it really that wrong that Mary and his brothers are outside seeking him, asking him to come on out. Maybe that's not such a bad deal. Uh, Maybe they're wanting to eat. In in fact, the very first verse in the text for this Sunday, Mark three, verse 20, says he went home and the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. Well, maybe his mother and brothers are concerned about the meal that they had prepared. And they're calling Jesus, it's dinner time. Now, if that were true, why would Jesus say, those who are sitting here are my mother and my brothers? For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, that certainly seems to give the indication that the family of Jesus, including the mother, is not doing the will of God here. Now, how can we understand that? Well, Scripture interprets Scripture. And so we have to go back to verse 20 and 21 to see exactly what the problem is. Remember, he went home, crowds gathered, they could not even eat, so you would say, well, maybe they were just calling him to eat, dinner's ready. But listen to verse 21. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Now, we do know that the family of Jesus had a real hard time in coming to grips that he is the Messiah. And you can understand that. Well, what if somebody came up to you and said, you know your brother uh, that was in the family? He's the promised Messiah. He is God himself. Wow. Joseph had to have a dream from an angel to explain the pregnancy of Mary. Now, he was given faith to believe that, and therefore they went to Bethlehem to have the child. But what what I find interesting here is that Mary is not excluded from the family. He is out of his mind. In fact, they aren't the only ones saying he is out of his mind. Listen to verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying he is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. So they definitely think he's part of the demonic. Well, that's not unusual, because many of the Jewish leaders were really afraid of Jesus with his talk about forgiveness of sins for tax collectors and prostitutes, and especially when he refers to some of the leaders as having as their father the devil himself. We, we talked about that on Friday. So what we're talking about here is this is Satan. He is a forerunner of Satan, or he is a messenger of Satan. And that's why Jesus then goes into this uh, discussion. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself that kingdom cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. He he then gives this analogy. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. What's Jesus talking about here? When we are born, we are in the kingdom of Satan. We have original sin. Everything is out of self-interest. For Jesus to redeem us, he first has to bind Satan. And he does a very good job of that, remember? In the wilderness, Satan provides him with three temptations at least, And Jesus overcomes every one of them. That's how you bind the strong man and then plunder his goods. And what are the goods of Satan? The people who follow him. His kingdom of unbelievers. How does Jesus steal those people from Satan? Verse 28. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemes they utter. This happened at the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is really an important understanding when we talk about the distinctions of theology. This is universal justification where every person's sins have been forgiven. In fact, there's only one sin that's unforgivable. And Jesus goes right into it in verse 29. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has An unclean spirit. What does that mean? Well, he doesn't have a proper spirit. This is an attack against the Holy Spirit, who came to Jesus at his baptism by John the Baptizer. And now, the Holy Spirit is called an unclean spirit. Why do these people say that? Is Jesus doing terrible deeds? No, almost the very opposite. He's healing people. How could healing somebody be considered a terrible deed on the part of the unbelieving Pharisees and scribes? Very simple. They believed in a God of justice. He gives you what you deserve. Therefore, if you are lame or blind or mute or deaf, you deserve it. Remember in John chapter 9, Jesus and the disciples uh, confront this man born blind. And what did the disciples say? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That That's the kind of theology that was taught in Judaism at that time by and large. That you get what you deserve. And, and that's why the Pharisees in that one parable He thanks God he's not like that tax collector, not getting what the tax collector deserves. Why? Because he fasts, he tithes, he he looks to the ceremonial laws, and in obedience to them, he thinks he's therefore meriting his way to heaven. This is at the basis of every false religion. Salvation by works. You can find it in every religion except in Christianity. It's a huge difference. And yet I would say the vast majority of people in the United States still don't understand this. Even those who are Christians. Something goes wrong in their life and they'll complain to God, what did I do to deserve this? We call that living under the law, where you think, you don't deserve this, you've been good. You've been going to church. maybe you're an officer at church, maybe a Sunday school teacher. You're bringing your children up, uh, reading them the Bible, taking them to Sunday school, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't deserve this kind of treatment from God. Now, we, we need to put all this in context. Here is his mother, his brothers, his sisters, and of course there is some discussion as to whether or not these are brothers and sisters from the marriage of Joseph and Mary or a previous marriage of Joseph where he had children. Um, For our purposes, it's not important to decide that conclusion because... Even at times, cousins were referred to as brothers and sisters. The fact is, it's very clear, according to verse 21, and when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. Why would they say this? Because that's what the scribes were saying, who were coming from Jerusalem. He is possessed by Beelzebub. And they were saying, he has an unclean spirit, according to verse 30. How would you like to be a member of the family of Jesus in hearing this about your brother? I think you too would be, come on out here, stop talking. You're embarrassing the whole family. And the crowd was sitting around him. Now, these were the ones listening to his teaching. Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who were seated around him, because if they were seated around him, they were in a teachable moment here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now what does Jesus mean by whoever does the will of God? Does that mean never sinning? That would be doing the will of God. But no, there are too many other passages in the Bible that show that human beings can never stop from sinning. So what is the will of God? In regard to Jesus, the Bible is very clear. The will of God is that you would trust in him for your salvation. And there's no doubt that there were those who did. Remember Simeon and Anna in the temple? Simeon even talked about that a sword would be piercing Mary, referring to the crucifixion. He knew that Jesus had come to save not only Israel, but also the Gentiles. So there were people of faith at that time. And in the situation with Mary and Martha, Mary was of faith. In other words, what we have here is a situation where the family is getting quite embarrassed because people are talking about him being of the devil, saying that he has another unclean spirit. I think you would want to protect your family also. This is why Mary talks about, after she is visiting Elizabeth, that Jesus is her savior. He has saved her. Because Mary is as big a sinner, as every other human being. This idea that the Roman Catholic Church teaches that she was born sinless, I did a paper on that when I was at college. I attended the Concordia Milwaukee College and did a paper on that. There actually were were some scholars who believed that from the time of Noah, there was a sinless strain of people that led up to Mary. Of course, there's no evidence of that in the Bible at all. So that that was one way in which they were trying to say that Mary was sinless. But stop and think about this. Let's compare the birth of Jesus to the birth of Mary, assuming that she was born sinless. Jesus, how did Mary become pregnant? by the Holy Spirit, overshadowing her. That's what Gabriel tells her. But Mary was sinful. So that was a miracle that out of sinful Mary and the sinless Holy Spirit, Jesus would be sinless. That's very clear. But would you not think that the birth of Mary was even a greater miracle? Because both her father and her mother, Mary's, were sinners. And yet she was born sinless. This is a greater miracle than the miracle of Jesus. Because he only had one sinful human being. Mary had two. Well, why do they say this? They, they want her to be sinless because they also believe in something else that's not in the Bible. It's called the Assumption of the Virgin Mary. It was authorized in 1950 by the Pope that Mary had assumed into heaven bodily. Not that she did that in 1950, but that's when it became an official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church that was on a par equal to the Bible. That's why you have so many prayers to Mary. And in fact, a couple of popes ago, he was trying to push her as being co-redemptrix. That means part of our redemption was because of Mary. Nothing in the Bible backs this up. Mary would be very embarrassed to be referred to as this way. And though many people are praying to Mary each and every day, she hears no prayers at all. Not only is she still buried, her body has not assumed into heaven, but it's very clear from the Bible that those who have gone on before us are unaware of what is going on on earth. There there is no way in which they can talk to you, they can hear you, or they can respond to your prayers. There's not any evidence in the Bible for any of that. Now, now why is that? Well, with their doctrine of purgatory, it's clear that Roman Catholics believe that when you die, you're still not good enough to go right to heaven. Although I have listened to a number of Roman Catholic funerals and in the past years, and I have yet to hear them talking about anybody being in purgatory. They just don't mention it. They, they give the impression they're in heaven, when that is contrary to Roman Catholic teaching. In fact, scholars still debate whether the pope who died recently is in heaven or hell, because he hasn't done his second miracle of healing someone since he has died. That's part of the criteria that they are looking for to see if he's a saint, if he is in heaven. Because Roman Catholics do not feel worthy to speak directly to Jesus, they go through his mother. It's kind of like you want to get to the president of the United States, but he's not going to just have anybody come in and talk to him. But let's say you go to school with his son or his daughter, and so you work through them to get to talk to the President of the United States, because you're not worthy just to go into his presence. That's how, unfortunately, many Roman Catholics look to Jesus. He is sinless. He is holy. Who am I to approach him? Even though Jesus says... There's only one mediator between God and man and he doesn't mention Mary. He mentions himself. Now I don't believe that Roman Catholics are going to hell because they pray to Mary. I just think that they have lost a great comfort because of that doctrine. When Jesus died on the cross this may sound strange to you but he made you worthy enough to speak directly to him. In fact, to speak directly to the Father, our Father who art in heaven. And I can even give you another reason why you are worthy to go directly to Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Holy of Holies Only the high priest, once a year, was able to go in there and atone for sins, praying for them. What happens in many a Roman Catholic church on Sunday morning, the congregational members come forward and receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. They not only enter into the Holy of Holies, the Holy of Holies enters into them. How much more do you want to understand how worthy you are in God's eyes? But you say, I'm a sinner. How can I be worthy to receive the very holy of holies within myself? Because your sins have been forgiven. And all those good works you're unable to do, you're wearing the robe of Christ's righteousness. So that from God's point of view, you are declared holy sinless, and a saint. By the way, which the Apostle Paul often addressed when he was writing to the various congregations, the saints at Rome, the saints at Corinth, the saints at Ephesus. The point we're trying to make here is, yes, even the family of Jesus joined with the scribes from Jerusalem saying he is out of his mind. And they encouraged him, stop talking. And I think from the context, he was becoming a real embarrassment to the family. We know that later, one of the brothers of Jesus, James, became pastor of the Jerusalem church. So we know that the family indeed came to faith properly. And Mary, we think, even discussed the life of Jesus with what became the Apostle Paul when he was Saul, that he was having conversations with the Apostles and with Mary. So she became a witness as to who Jesus really was, and they better understood it after the resurrection. But at this point, Jesus' fulfillment was coming true here. That there were times that mother was against daughter or against son, father was against daughter or against son. Jesus talks about that. And we see that happening even today, where there is a division in the household because of Jesus. But it's not because of Jesus. It's always because of Satan. On the next Long Gospel, we're going to be with Mark Smith taking a look at a hymn that begins, Rise to Arms. Well, what arms are we supposed to equip ourselves with or employ? The title says, With Prayer Employ You. Prayer. I thought the Word of God is what protects us. We'll take a look at that on the next Law and Gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Till then, God bless.
1: Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. What an unspeakable blessing to be able to open the scriptures together every single day and spend time listening, pondering, and proclaiming what they unfailingly reveal, God's great love for you and me in Jesus. Thy strong word, weekday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHFmissions.org. Hi, this is Bart Day, President and CEO of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Every day, our Lutheran schools reach out to children and families with the love of Jesus. Our schools are a rich and vital component of the church, and in fact, they are the single greatest ministry we share that can shape the future growth and expansion of the Synod. And so, whether it's a customized loan to fit your school's particular needs or help living out your ministry's God given purpose, we want to help your ministry flourish and grow. So, visit us at lcef.org to learn more. This week on Issues Etc., we'll discuss Pope Francis and Martin Luther with Dr. Carl Truman. We'll have Pastor Brian Wolfmiller introduce us to the Book of Job, and we'll be broadcasting live from the Issues Etc., making the case conference, talking with Craig Parton, author of our Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Religion on Trial. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Worldwide KFUO, a click away 24 hours a day. Originating from the studios of KFUO Clayton St. Louis, the messenger of good news.